0: Carol Joy side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 120. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I'm sitting across the Zoom screen once again with my beloved assistant, Rachel Winchester, and she is gathering questions from our loyal listeners. And um, so she's just feeding me these great questions. And hopefully we're answering some of the ones that our listeners are all kind of, I find that if someone asks a question that there's eight other people in the seminar that are going, thank you, thank you for asking that. So I'm sure these are kind of universal questions that hopefully
1: will um, be representative. So go for it, Rach. Um, So our first question that I want to ask is of personal interest to me, because I'm about to start homeschooling (laughs) officially this year. I wanted your take on where do I start with planning a homeschool year? Mm, Great question. And my answer is we start with history. That
0: is the answer to your question. So the question is, what history are we going to do this year? And then you have two answers, American history or world history, or you might add state history or even church history. So maybe you have four, four answers to that question. And then whatever you decide, that will determine a lot. So um, if your children are young, just a little segue on that, it's gonna be American history. It's, you don't have to give this a lot of thought. Because until your kids are until at least fourth grade through marriage, where we can do world history um, fine on, in those uh, seasons of life. But when your children are little and they are concrete and not abstract, we want to be very careful to keep them in the Judeo-Christian realm. So uh, that which is just and pure and true, especially true and lovely, and of good report, and so um, when they're little, I think it's important to stay with American history, because it's Judeo, and it's concrete, excuse me, and so uh, world history tends to move into some abstract, mystical, supernatural areas, like Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Egyptian deities, things that we do not want our young children to be exposed to, or confused by, So if a child can't separate reality and fantasy developmentally, even though they say they can, if they can't develop mentally, which is normally at least nine years of age, at least, and for some kids older, then you always want to stay with American history. And so you determine what you're going to use. And then you take, so if you're using turning back the pages of time, then you might say, well, I'm going to take two or even three years to go through this book. And so you might lay it out and kind of divide it in half and then divide it in quarters or whatever so that you're kind of spacing it out. Now we're not gonna be legalistic about this. If, we, if we're not done with the pilgrims by Christmas, we're in big trouble or something. No, if everyone's learning and loving what they're learning, please enjoy yourself. I don't care if they're reading these books until they you know can drive. But the main thing is it's giving you kind of a skeleton, keeping you on track because people say to me, well, we're not really, we haven't, we let history slide or it fell through the cracks. I'm like, okay, that would be a problem. So if you make this your skeleton and then you fit other things around your history, then I'm gonna be much happier. Um, So, and then with the pink sheets, which people who've been to my seminar know what I mean by this. So those are the world history. sheets western civ sheets starting with genesis and then going through egypt greece rome middle ages renaissance reformation those sheets i have laid them out for you to be on a three-year cycle but if you want to go faster or slower i'm totally happy with that but that's just because people have asked me to do just what you're saying rachel so that way it gives you kind of and then i like for people to repeat because as dr moore always taught us repetition is the mother of learning and so the first time you study something it's for exposure the second time it's for mastery and then the third time if you can teach it to someone younger or weaker than you now you really own it so i want these cycles to be repeated multiple times the pink sheets particularly but even the american history i'd like you to do it when your children are young and then maybe a year of high school revisit using my purple sheet which is teen American history going to another level. So does that help you with that? And then with like math programs, you just say, okay, half of the math book is at such and such, okay. Then we need to be by Christmas. We need to be at, you know, lesson 65. Now a little secret that school teachers keep close to their chest is that math books are never designed to be finished. So don't get too upset if you don't finish your math book by the time school is over. But I would say if you're, you know, three fourths through it, you're probably right where a classroom teacher would also end. Um, because the end of the book is really the beginning of next year's work. And so it's in there, but you can kind of not worry about it because next year you're going to see that very same work in September waiting for you. Um, and then anything else that's kind of, you know, any curriculum. If, of course, as your kids are older in high school, you do the same thing with their high level science and say, you know, and then give them kudos. If by Christmas you're not at 65, but you're at 85, you know, way to go. And when you finish the book, you're finished. Or if you're behind in math, a lot of times kids are doubling up, doing two lessons a day. So, you know, these are all specific issues, but generally history is your skeleton and math is kind of your law of the Medes and the Persians. We do it every single day and we need to be here by such and such a date and here by such and such a date. And we're not going to, you know, lose sleep over it, but it gives us um, kind of a rhythm to walk in so that we don't, Come to the end of the year and say we're only halfway through with our math book nobody wants to face that so
1: yeah yeah it definitely helped me to take the long view because then I also was feeling like this is going to get complicated in two years when I start another child and then three years later when I start another child and you're trying to all, right. all those things so then that helped me know okay what how long is each cycle what's the best rhythm for this so we can Mm-hmm. That's right, Rachel. And that's a
0: really good point, because when I'm consulting the families and we're figuring out their history um, schedule, I'll say, OK, now at this point, then little Susie will be in fourth grade. So we work around Let's stall for a year and do state history or something like that because we want Susie to be old enough to jump in on the next time around with the pink sheets. And these are the things, that's exactly right, that we plan because most families have multiple children and we're trying to keep children together as much as possible. So that's a whole nother discussion. But but if we can move our kids through cycles of learning together, other than maybe their math program, that is gonna keep your sanity. And so history, we always try and group the kids as much as possible. And this is, when we consult, these are the things i talk to the families about, like, well, who do you see having most in common? Do you think that Susie has more in common with her younger brother or her older sister? And then, you know, then we kind of see developmentally which children go together. And we plan the school years in light of that.
1: Yeah, I'm all, I have a boy first and then a girl follows. So I'm also kind of feeling like, well, I have a little bit of wiggle room of she's probably going to be more with him. Advanced, yeah. Kind of cool. Whereas I can so, probably wait a little bit longer for him to start world history so that then she's, you know, at the right age or whatever, you know, just that really helped me feel like, okay, this isn't as complicated as I was feeling like it was going to be. And so now I can start to piece together the specific.
0: Have you ever considered what you want your children to look like when they're 18 or 21? The secret to a successful homeschool and parenting journey is to keep that long-term view ever before our eyes. On August 6th, I will be in Nashville, Tennessee, teaching my seminar, Begin with the End in Mind. I will be casting a vision for what it looks like to homeschool beyond the elementary years. The grade school years are important, of course, but high school and college are the years when your children's theology will make up its mind. Even if you have toddlers or infants, this seminar is for you as well don't wait until your children are driving to get this information it will answer many of the questions that you worry about late at night so many fathers tell me this is their favorite seminar because it's filled with research and facts remember how our geometry teachers taught us that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line to begin with the end in mind is to find that direct path to successful Homeschooling. Don't wander all over the wilderness philosophically. Get your marching orders whether your children are six months or 16 years old. All participants will receive 10 pages of book lists, access to a seminar exclusive book sale, and an opportunity to submit questions for the panel discussion at the end of the day. Click the link in the show notes to visit my website and register today. Early bird registration ends July 27th. I look forward to seeing you in Nashville. Now back to the show. Because you have a firstborn boy and a secondborn girl, which is the most competitive of all birth orders, that secondborn girl. (laughs) And so they're almost like twins because a boy is generally a year behind girls developmentally. And a little girl, of course, is chomping at the bit to catch up with her brother every hour of the day. And so you
1: almost can treat them like twins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yes. So um, I guess that might be, let's just go ahead and say, then how does that trickle into the daily planning of how? what's kind of the best way to plan our days? Yeah, establish a yeah. routine. That's a great question. And we always talk
0: about that in uh, the, in creative curriculum and at the end of the day, because it really ties everything together. If you have a, a schedule for your day, your life is going to feel very orderly. Um, so, first thing we do every morning, well, let's start with the night before, because as it says in Genesis, evening and morning, the first day. So, in the Jewish uh, way of thought, Your day starts when sun goes down the night before. And so we want to start with success in the morning, and it's determined by what we do the night before. So um, bedtimes, evening ritual where daddy's reading out loud, laying hands on the children, blessing them, um, turning lights out, older children getting the privilege not the right, but the privilege of reading in bed after daddy reads, and then older children getting more time than younger children and, you know, working all that out, but having really good bedtime routines so that your children are going to bed at the same time every day. And mommy and daddy are getting time alone because there's just too much togetherness in homeschooling. Otherwise, you really need that time alone without children. And so that will establish that your children hopefully wake up naturally in the morning. That's my goal for every child. Um, It might take a while to get into this rhythm, but in America, there's a lot of research that's being done on sleep deprivation. The average American child, particularly because of screens, is grossly sleep deprived. And so we have to turn that cycle around. So good time, good bedtimes, realistic bedtimes, um, and then waking up naturally. So once your children get into a rhythm, then the key is mommy and daddy having a rhythm in the morning too. I can't always address daddy's schedule because every daddy's schedule is very different. But for mom, I would like to see every mom having a quiet time every morning, because if she doesn't, this sweater is going to start to unravel very quickly. And so um, time with the Lord, and and we did a podcast on spiritual disciplines and quiet time. And um, maybe we could put that in the show notes, the number for that one. So I won't talk about that. But then right after that, um, hopefully, depending on, you know, waking up, and here's another little rule. Children need permission to leave their bedrooms so they can wake up and they can run and go to the bathroom, of course, if they're older, but they are not allowed to wander through the house before they're invited out of the room. And you as families need to determine what that is because some children want to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and that's just terrorism. That is absurd. And so they're welcome to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, but they're not welcome to wake anyone else up. Or leave their room. Well, then it's no fun to wake up. So then they just might roll over and go back to sleep. Um, and you can give them a little apple next to their room, uh, next to their bed, or a banana. And you can put stacks of books in their rooms so that they're not, you know, crying out for something to do or something to eat. Um, But you know water and a piece of fruit next to their bed is great, but they need to be invited out and some people buy clocks that turn different colors when it's time to leave the room and so that can be a a lovely way to keep you from having to even be hands on with that. And then they need to make breakfast and clean it up and I'm speaking generalities here, but um, it's very important that we don't do anything for our children they do for themselves. And then they call you when breakfast is ready. And my recommendation is homemade granola, which I think we have videos of this and recipes in the a nutrition seminar. And we even have gluten-free homemade granola. And so um, they need to make breakfast. Your two-year-old can put out the plastic dishes and get out the spoons. Your four-year-old can get out the granola. Your five-year-old can get out the yogurt or the, almond milk or cow milk or whatever it is that your family drinks and uses Um, and then they call you in for breakfast and then um, if daddy's gone or if he's with you that's always great if he is but if he's gone they pull out their your chair and you sit down and you have breakfast together and then they clean it up and then right after breakfast the law of the Medes and the Persians again is bible every morning no matter what and depending on the age of your children we talk about different options in the seminars, but um, of course, the Catherine Voss Story Bible is my absolute favorite for slightly older children, but um, there's so many great resources, and, and they're on they're on my read aloud uh, lists, so you have Bible, and then I'd like your children to do some Bible memory every day, and I love seed C- CDs um, that are just verbatim scripture, and they can do a song a week, and memorize it, and do motions, and um, dance moves, and then perform for daddy Friday night at dinner, Um, so they've been working on it all week, so that's Bible, and then after Bible, we go immediately to math. Now, um, what, depending on what you're using, let's say you're using Matthew C or something like that, now if your children are younger, I would recommend that your olders would work independently in math, for like, Half an hour, 45 minutes, depending on their age. And that's your time as a mom to do face to face formal academics. So you maybe have a first grader, a second grader. They need 45 minutes of academics formally, face to face a day or less. So you take your first grader and you do maybe 15 minutes of sing, spell, read, and write, maybe 15 minutes or so of. Um, What um I can't think of my math um math it pre math it yes thank you pre math it about fifteen minutes of that or they work with money or they work with clocks or um, measuring tapes scales so the different hands on things we do the math games that we play but any kind of math manipulatives you know using beans using raisins whatever counting taking away. Um, So 15 minutes of phonics, 15 minutes or so of math, and about five minutes of handwriting. And they could use the Getty Dubé book A, but then they're writing in sand or flour on lasagna pan or taking a paintbrush and painting letters on the side of a building as large as they are in water. So they're learning to begin to pre-math, pre-writing skills, pre-reading skills. And then those children can go outside after that 45 minutes is over. And then your older children need to do some writing every day, just 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes at most of writing, they could journal, write a thank you note, use their handwriting book. Um, And then on Friday, I like to do um, writing prompts where they can use like um, from heart to page, which is now called tell me a story and with that with those writing prompts I cut them in strips put them in a jar and on Fridays one child gets to pull and then everyone writes on that writing prompt and you can take dictation from your children. Or if they're old enough and confident enough, they can write their own composition and then those are also read at dinner Friday night for dad. And then um, then, so they, the older kids have done three subjects, Bible, math, and writing, and then they need a 15 minute break, protein, jump on a trampoline, eat some almond butter on an apple, whatever, do a three-legged race around the backyard. And then the fun day begins. And that's where you pull your kids back in the house or under the porch on the swing or wherever it's cozy. And you do history combined with literature. And that's mommy reading out loud. And depending on the ages of your children and the stages, they might be illustrating what you're reading or they might be building, you know, a covered wagon or a uh, soddy or a pyramid or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, a castle, a cathedral. So in their great kits, Osborne, Dover has these things that are really fun for kids. And they can be doing things with their hands while they're listening. And then it's time for lunch and they make it and they clean it up. And in the nutrition seminar, we created a video called Salad as a Meal where I teach you how to make lunch every day together and everyone's helping in the family. It makes it really fun. And then um, it's quiet time. So everyone goes to the bathroom, brings some water in with them. They've eaten a big lunch and everyone is separated in the house. You might have to put one child in the bathtub and one child in the family room, wherever you have to do it. Um, where they can pray, sleep, read, or think, and you set a timer for an hour, kitchen timer out in the hallway, and your everyone's feet are off the ground, and there's no interruptions, and certainly no electronics. Everything is turned off, and in other spaces, it's not a time to play, it's not a time to do Legos, it's not a time to draw. They have all day to do those other things. It's basically time for them to interact with books and to learn the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. And mommy needs that hour more than anybody. And um, your toddler, you might have a nursing infant and then maybe like a three-year-old. The three-year-old is the one that this is gonna be the hardest for. The the baby will go to sleep, the older kids will read, but that three-year-old is a man without a country. And that's the child that you might wanna take in your bed with you and cuddle, give them lots of skin to skin, rub their back, rub their neck, read them a couple picture books and then put them in a vice grip like spoons in a drawer and just say mommy is so tired mommy is so tired while you're rubbing their back and a child that would never fall asleep and maybe in a separate room a four-year-old five-year-old will fall asleep beautifully with you and mommy needs that time don't you dare get up and start vacuuming your pearls you stay in that room too and read or think or pray or sleep and i guarantee you need to sleep so and then the afternoon when the buzzer goes off at least twice a week nature walks outside where all you're there to do is be a bodyguard but they are really running the show and we talk about nature in the seminar um, doing unit studies where you're focusing on one thing at a time like butterflies or bugs or birds or trees or snakes or wildflowers and then um, having lots of, of those books around your house that the children can be looking at during breakfast or lunch or quiet time, if daddy isn't home during the meals, um, so that when they go out into nature, they have a body of knowledge that they're bringing with them. And you can also use fandexes or field guides for identification. And then the rest of the day is really free time until daddy says, I'm on his way home. He's on his way home. And then we put really fun music on and we run around the house getting the castle ready for the king. And then we have dinner together with daddy and then the children clean up. And then the high point of the whole day reading out loud with daddy in our jammies. (laughs) So that's a day. Okay. Well, Rachel, I think we've used our time. So thank you listeners for joining me this week on the homeschool made simple podcast. I have a special request for you. Would you send a Homeschool Made Simple episode to a friend? Any episode. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.